0: Welcome back and uh, once again we are continuing with our theme on Himalayas and today I've got the memoirs of Rabindranath Tagore with me and in that particular book he recalls a fond childhood memory when he visited the hills of Punjab back then which was a part of Punjab, the state of Punjab then. Now it's in the Himachal Pradesh. And uh, the time he spent there as a child, the things he saw uh, back then in the Himalayas, that has been told in this account. And you'll notice how the world has changed in the last 100 years. And it's quite interesting to read these memoirs. So without any delay, let me narrate some of these passages from the book of Rabindranath Tagore. Here we go. We stayed about a month in Amritsar and towards the middle of April started for the Dalhousie Hills. The last few days at Amritsar seemed as if they would never pass. The call of the Himalayas was so strong upon me. The terraced hillsides, as we went up in a jampan, were all aflame with the beauty of the flowering spring crops. Every morning, we would make a start after our bread and milk, and before sunset, Take shelter for the night in the next staging bungalow. My eyes had no rest the livelong day. So great was my fear lest anything should escape them. Wherever, at a turn of the road into a gorge, the great forest trees were found clustering closer, and from underneath their shade a little waterfall trickling out like a little daughter of the hermitage playing at the feet of hoary sages wrapped in meditation, babbling its way over the black moss-covered rocks, there the champion bearers would put down their burden and take rest. Why, oh why, had we to leave such spots behind, cried my thirsting heart. Why could we not stay on there forever? This is the great advantage of the first vision. The mind is not then aware that there are many more such to come. When this comes to be known to that calculating organ, it promptly tries to make a saving in its expenditure of attention. It is only when it believes something to be rare that the mind ceases to be miserly in assigning values. So in the streets of Calcutta, I sometimes imagine myself a foreigner and only then do I discover how much is to be seen which is lost so long as its full value in attention is not paid. It is the hunger to really see which drives people to travel to strange places. My father left his little cash box in my charge. He had no reason to imagine that I was the fittest custodian of the considerable sums he kept in it for the use on the way. He would certainly have felt safer with it in the hands of Kishori, his attendant. So I can only suppose he wanted to train me to the responsibility. One day, as we reached the staging bungalow, I forgot to make it over to him and left it lying on a table. This earned me a reprimand. Every time we got down at the end of a stage, my father had chairs placed for us outside the bungalow and there we sat. As the came on the stars blazed out wonderfully through the clear mountain atmosphere, and my father showed me the constellations or treated me to an astronomical discourse. The house we had taken at Bakrota was on the highest hilltop. Though it was nearing May, it was still bitterly cold there, so much so that on the shady side of the hill, the winter frosts had yet not melted. My father was not at all nervous about allowing me to wander about freely even here. Some way below our house there stretched a spur thickly wooded with deodars. Into this wilderness I would venture alone with my iron-spiked staff. These lordly forest trees with their huge shadows towering there like so many giants. What immense lives had they lived through the centuries. And yet, This boy of only the other day was crawling round about their trunks, unchallenged. I seemed to feel a presence the moment I stepped into their shade, as of the solid coolness of some old-world saurian, and the checkered light and shade on the leafy mound seemed like its scales. My room was at one end of the house. Lying on my bed, I could see through the uncurtained windows the distant snowy peaks shimmering dimly in the starlight. Sometimes at what hour I could not make out, I, half-awakened, would see my father, wrapped in a red shawl with a lighted lamp in his hand, softly passing by to the glazed veranda where he sat at his devotions. After one more sleep, I would find him at my bedside, rousing me with a push before yet the darkness of night had passed. This was my appointed hour for memorizing Sanskrit declensions. What an excruciatingly wintry awakening from the caressing warmth of my blankets. By the time the sun rose, my father, after his prayers, finished with me our morning milk and then I standing at his side. He would once more hold communion with God, chanting the Upanishads. Then we would go out for a walk. But how should I keep pace with him? Many an older person could not. So after a while I would give it up and scramble back home through some shortcut up the mountainside. After my father's return, I had an hour of English lessons. After 10 o'clock came the bath in icy cold water. It was no use asking the servants to temper it with even a jug full of hot water without my father's permission. To give my courage, my father would tell of the unbearably freezing baths he had himself been through in his younger days another penance was the drinking of milk my father was very fond of milk and could take quantities of it but whether it was a failure to inherit this capacity or that the unfavorable environment of which i've told proved the stronger my appetite for milk was grievously wanting unfortunately We used to have our milk together, so I had to throw myself on the mercy of the servants and to their human kindness. I was indebted for my goblet being thenceforth more than half full of foam. After our midday meal lessons began again, but this was more than flesh and blood could stand. My outraged morning sleep would have its revenge and I would be toppling over with uncontrollable drowsiness. Nevertheless, no sooner did my father take pity on my plight and let me off, than my sleepiness was off likewise, then oh for the mountains. Staff in hand, I would often wander away from one peak to another, but my father did not object. To the end of his life, I have observed, he never stood in the way of our independence. Many a time have I said or done things repugnant alike to his taste and his judgment, with a word he could have stopped me, but he preferred to wait till the prompting to refrain came from within. A passive acceptance by us of the correct and the proper did not satisfy him. He wanted us to love truth with our whole hearts. He knew that mere equations without love is empty. He also knew the truth, if strayed from, can be found again, but a forced or blind acceptance of it from the outside effectually bars the way in. In my early youth, I had conceived a fancy to journey along the Grand Trunk Road right up to Peshawar in a bullock cart. No one else supported the scheme and doubtless there was much to be urged against it as a practical proposition. But then I discoursed on it, on my father. He was sure it was a splendid splendid idea. Travelling by railroad was not worth the name with which observation he proceeded to recount to me his own adventurous wanderings on foot and horseback. Of any chance of discomfort or peril, he had not a word to say. Another time, when I had just been appointed secretary of the Adi Brahma Samaj, I went over to my father at his Park Street residence and informed him that I did not approve of the practice of only Brahmins conducting divine service to the exclusion of other castes. He unhesitatingly gave me permission to correct this if I could. When I got the authority, I found I lacked the power. I was able to discover imperfections but could not create perfection. Where were the men? Where was the strength in me to attract the right man? Had I the means to build in the place of what I might break? Till the right man comes, any form is better than none. This, I felt, must have been my father's view of the existing order. But he did not for a moment try to discourage me by pointing out the difficulties. As he allowed me to wander about the mountains at my will, so in the quest for truth, He left me free to select my path. He was not deterred by the danger of my making mistakes. He was not alarmed at the prospect of my encountering sorrow. He held up a standard, not a disciplinary rod. I would often talk to my father of home. Whenever I got a letter from anyone at home, I hastened to show it to him. I verily believe I was thus the means of giving him many a picture he could have got from no one else. My father also let me read letters to him from my elder brothers. This was his way of teaching me how I ought to write to him, for he by no means underrated the importance of outward forms and ceremonial. I am reminded of how in One of my second brother's letters, he was complaining in somewhat sanskritized phraseology of being worked to death, tied by the neck to his post of duty. My father asked me to explain the sentiment. I did it in my way, but he thought a different explanation would fit better My overweening conceit made me stick to my guns and argue the point with him at length. Another would have shut me with a snub, but my father patiently heard me out and took pains to justify his view to me. My father would sometimes tell me funny stories. He had many an anecdote of the gilded youth of his time, there were some exquisites for whose delicate skins the embroidered, borders of even Dhaka muslins were too coarse, so that to wear muslins with the border torn off became for a time the tip top thing to do. I was also highly amused to hear from my father for the first time the story of the milkman who was suspected of watering his milk. And the more men one of his customers Detailed to look after his milking, the bluer the fluid became. Till at last when the customer himself interviewed him and asked for an explanation, the milkman avowed that if more superintendents had to be satisfied, it would only make the milk fit to breed fish. After I had thus spent a few months with him, my father sent me back home with his attendant Kishori.